right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our third episode of Conversations Between a Dad and His Daughter. And today we've actually got a really special guest. So, of course, I'm here with Dad, but also we have Mom here today. Hello, everyone. So we have Mom on the show today because she and Dad are celebrating next week their 54th wedding anniversary. So 54 years of marriage and ministry. So we're going to talk a little bit about marriage and ministry and how that works together. Um, So, yeah, Dad, you want to greet the... Uh, Hello, everybody. Glad to be coming to you again today. And uh, I was asked this morning by a group of ministers how long I'd been in the ministry. And I had told them I'd gotten ordained in 1972. But to be ordained, you had to have two years prior experience. So actually, I started in 1970, which would make me uh, 50 years. And then I really believe Twanda and I started in 1969. So we're looking at probably 51 years of ministry and 54 years of marriage. So most of our marriage, all, all but those two or three years, have been ministry. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's tremendous. That's a that's a great legacy to have. And, of course, I know, Mom, you, we consider that you came from a ministry family, even though you weren't a preacher's kid, that your mom was very involved and your dad in the ministry. So. Yes, they were both very involved all my life. Church was our, our life, our total life. Uh, we didn't really do a whole lot of things socially outside of church and church people. So that was all I ever knew as a child growing up. Now, Mom, for I know a lot of people know this story, but for those that don't know it, um, you always tell about how you didn't want to marry a preacher. Well, as a teenager, I used to say that, but, you know, teenagers just do silly things and say silly things. And it wasn't that I had anything against preachers because all of my life I was around, uh, surrounded by some of the greatest ministers in the world, uh, I feel like. And like I say, our family... Uh, we lived and breathed the church and the ministry, and so I had no um, ill will toward any preacher or anything, or I'd never had any bad experiences over with any ministry, but I just said that, and then I always laughingly said I really didn't marry a preacher, because when Jerry and I married, he was in the Air Force military, and so for the first three years of our marriage, uh, we were involved, uh, we were always involved in a church, I, at least I was, in the first, after the first couple of months, Jerry became involved. <laughs> But uh, I never went without going to church regardless. But uh, the the first three years we were in the military, and then we moved back to our hometown of Magnolia and began to work with a wonderful minister, uh, Henry Pletcher, and we worked with him for about three years before we went into full-time ministry ourselves. So, um, you know, I, I was around a lot of great ministers. I love the ministry. I really feel like, you know, people talk about your calling and all of that, and this wasn't a question for me, but uh, I will say it. You know, I don't really have any, you know, thunderbolt from heaven when I was called, but I feel like that from my birth that because of the way that my life was and that the love that my family had and my mother and dad had for the church was my training to be in the ministry because it made me... uh, very happy to be in church and to be around church people. And so I feel like that my calling began at birth, really, if you could say that, uh, and preparing me in my childhood and 
my home of always having ministers and evangelists and singing groups in my home and being able to feel their heart and feel their ministry and know them in a personal way. Uh, all of that prepared me for the ministry that I would be in this 50 years later. So, um, that's, you know, that's, that's the way I feel like my calling came to me was, was through that, just the way that my mom and dad, uh, loved the church, loved the people of the church and instilled that in, in us as kids and, and in me particularly. So yeah, that's, that's great. where we are today. That's great. Good testimony. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was thinking today about over the 50 years of ministry, uh, and I've heard preachers say, pastors say that, you know, every day, every week, every month, there was always a struggle for this and that. And I know we had some hard times, but I can't remember ever going through a period of time when we, Twanda, would say life was a struggle. No. God just blessed us, and we probably, we didn't even struggle when our kids were teenagers. You know, they well, were good kids. maybe a little bit. <laughs> um, but uh, we did that. I will say that, you know, I know a lot of people say, you know, there's some disadvantages to being in the ministry, and especially when you have kids and you're raising kids. And I always tried to tell my kids, and I feel like that even with my grandkids now, that the... Uh, the advantages of being in the ministry far outweigh the disadvantages. You know, maybe <clears throat> preacher's kids are scrutinized a little bit more, but I always told my kids the way I was raised, the scrutiny would have been there the same, the same because I expected a certain standard for them to uphold whether we were in the ministry or not. But uh, just the advantage that they had of being connected to the church and to God's people they met some wonderful people and they got to be with them, sit in the living room and talk to them and, and know about missionaries and, and their life and uh, be personal friends with them. And so the, the advantages, I never wanted them to th feel like that being a preacher's kid was a burden or something that they had to overcome or anything like that. I've always felt like it was a privilege for them to be involved in the ministry. Uh, and luckily that we, not luckily, through the grace of God, both of our kids are very involved in ministry uh, in their churches. And, uh, of course, Nicole here and then Sean in his church in Joplin. And even our grandkids, they, uh, they're they picking up that mantle, I hope. I pray it looks like they are. They're very involved in, you know, our granddaughter went on a missions trip to Mexico this this last year. And... She loved it, and I really think God's got great things in store for them as well as they grow. And our both of them, our grandkids, work and are involved, even though they're just 14 and 17, well, almost 14, uh, in some type of thing at their church, ministry at their church, helping. And so that's just what we're all about. That's just what our family's all about, is being a part of God's kingdom and in whatever way we can do it, in, in whatever capacity that we can do it. And, and Nicole, did you ever feel a disadvantage? I I didn't. I I do. I did feel the scrutiny at times. I know we've talked about different instances where I felt the scrutiny, but I never felt like I was missing something or that my life would be have been easier. I never even thought about what life would be like if my dad had been a doctor or a teacher. My life was just what it was. We were a ministry family. And then as I've become an adult, I realize what a gift it is to be 
part of a ministry family. And, you know, just like you said, having the, the connection with people and being able to sit literally at their feet and learn at their feet, you know, the ministers that have passed through our lives. And uh, I think we'd agree with, with Vestal and say, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Exactly. So. Yeah. Well, and I remember one time when Nicole was a teenager, she went, well, she was actually in college. Um, she did something, not terrible, but she was in a place that I didn't think she should have been in and not doing anything, but just there because other people were there. And uh, so we had a little discussion about that. And it really didn't matter. Uh, at the time, she was helping lead worship at our church. And it really didn't matter to me, uh, you know, that she didn't do anything while she was in there. But I just told her that the standard that she had to set as, as a, being in the ministry, that she couldn't be seen in certain places. and uh, But that would have been required because of the way I was raised, even though I wasn't in a ministry family, because of the way I was raised and the standard that was set for me, I would have had that standard for her, regardless of whether we were in the ministry or not, because I just felt like it was a Christian standard as opposed to a ministry standard, just someplace Christians didn't go. Uh, it was just at a dance place, you know, in, in Amarillo, no big deal. She wasn't out, you know, kicking her heels up too high, I don't think. But, you know, I just always felt like... <laughs> Never that, kicked my heels. <laughs> but that was just, uh, you know, I'd explain to her that as long as you are up leading worship or you're professing to be a Christian, there's a standard you have to set. And even though you're not doing anything wrong, there's certain places you can't go, certain things you can't do, because... Christians just don't do that, and so, um, I, you know, but that would have been regardless of whether we were ministry or not, just because we're a Christian family, that we're just, uh, you know, Jesus, we have Jesus in our heart, and, and he's our, our Lord and Savior, and we want to hold his standard up high. And I, I think something we've talked about before, Mom, is that, you know, you've instilled those things in me, and it, as I look back on my life, um, I, I, I can't think of anything that I missed out on. You know, I, I, I have a life of, of few regrets. I don't have the regrets that some other people might have in their lives. And I know, you know, I don't want to condemn anyone because we all have done things that we're uh, ashamed of in our lives and, and we might have regret. But when you decide that you're going to live for the Lord, from that point forward, there's a life of no regret. And there's there's nothing to look back on and wish, oh, I wish I'd done this or that, because you know that you lived the life that you should have lived. Yeah. And you know, let me tie that in with the scripture we started with in Luke eight thirty nine, where uh, the demon-possessed man had been delivered and healed, and he wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus said to him, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. And I thought about this verse. We've used it all three times, but today it relates to the fact that as a family in a community leading a church, we have the opportunity to all those years. We've just been in four places, but we could we had the opportunity to go throughout the city and tell others what great things Jesus had done has done for us, and it's kind of like it's kind of like this is a life-giving verse to anyone that would take it. That you know, if your life is centered in Christ, you have the opportunity to tell the whole city. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to do with our lives as as believers, as a ministry family, that the whole city knows that Jesus Christ is the supreme one in our life. I was thinking while you were you were talking about that, you know, and and I guess probably Dalhart is the place I go to the most because I was the most adult there. But, you know, that really became a community where we had a lot of friends and a lot of good close um, relationships with people there. And we were able, I feel like, and, you know, I know Sean wasn't with us, so I won't go down that path, but he wasn't with us all the time. But I really felt that's where I started to grow um, into the idea of being part of a ministry family more so than ever before because I had all of those opportunities to minister and to, to start learning under your ministry. You know, you've been and still are my ministry mentor my whole life. And so that's where I really started to learn about those things and, and what it meant to be part of a ministry family. Made a few mistakes along the way, but, you know, yeah. that happens. Well, and to follow up on that, you know, because of the training that you had uh, from the church and from us as a family, when you left and, and left the nest and moved <laughs> to Tulsa, you know, you immediately got involved in a church. It wasn't like you searched and searched and didn't go to a church. You immediately got into church. And after you'd been there just a little while, you became a part of that ministry mm-hmm. by seeing it on their worship team and all. And uh, so I think that just all fell into place that that God was, was training you. And, you know, I taught you just like I was taught that regardless of where you were, that, you know, the first thing you were going to do was look for a a body of believers that you could fellowship with and that you could lend your ministry talents to that body of believers, regardless of whether we were there with you or not. Even though Jerry rode to church with you every Sunday morning. (laughs) Well, somebody had to. It was a long drive. (laughs) You'd get on the phone and talk all the way over to Broken Era from Tulsa. But, uh, you know, I, I was proud of you for doing that because I know a lot of teenagers, and you were a little older than a teenager, you were a young adult, and, you know, when they moved out of their ch- family's home, they go to a big city and, oh, I can't find anything. I can't find a church like we had at home. It's just not the same. But you knew that it was important for you to be with a body of believers, and so that's what you did. You yeah. found a body of believers, and we had some really great friends there that we had met through the ministry. Right. They had been in our home that brought you in and treated you. They weren't pastors, but they were worship leaders, Barbie and Ken Harris. And they did a lot to keep you involved. And it was just, you know, all those fruits and those seeds mm-hmm. and all that just just kept playing on. And it, it ministered to you and helped you through a difficult time when you were by yourself. Yeah. So um, it, it all it all works out for God's good. It just all works out for his good. Yeah, it does. It does. I was thinking about, uh, since you mentioned Ken and Barbie, I was thinking about all the people, good Lord, through the years that have played a part in uh, the lives of our kids. Mm -hmm. And what a reflection of Christ they presented to them so that they would know that uh, Jesus is real and he'll take care of you and see you through. You know, just great able to share with our family. And that that was just a above board blessing anyone could ever have. So I wanted to ask, one of the questions I wanted to ask today is, if you if you were giving some advice to a young couple just starting out in the ministry with your 50-some years of marriage and experience, not just 
ministry, but marriage. You know, what what do you think is the, besides Christ, obviously we know that's the center, but what do you think is the, the thing you would want to say or to tell them about your journey? Ladies first. <laughs> Get the hard one. Um, well, you know, because of the way I was raised, I have to go back to my raising, which, you know, everybody doesn't have that. Um, you know, to have that good sound raising. But, of course, from our generation, what I was taught was that when you got into it, there wasn't any getting out of it. I mean, of course, there wasn't ever a reason for me to want to get out of it. But I never thought about, you know, um, anything other than our life just continuing as a married couple. And like Jerry said, you know, we've had some ups and downs, but, you know, no, no, uh, the ups have definitely overshadowed the downs. Uh, and we've not had any major uh, issues that would even come close. But, you know, you just keep working together. You know, you uh, marry someone that, uh, you know, that you become friends first. And then our families had uh, a thing in common that brought us together as um, as youngsters as when, before we got married because our families were very involved in gospel music. Both sides, his dad was a singer, my mom was a singer, and they were involved in music. And so that's what brought us together, and that's what brought us into each other's lives. And um, you just, you know that, you know, when you do that, when you come together with mutual love for certain things and mutual uh, love for each other and a friendship, uh, that's where it, that's where it starts. Mm -hmm. And uh, just knowing that every day is going to be, uh, you just devote it to the Lord, and He will get you through it, whatever situation that comes up. Yeah. And I would I would say to the young minister, to from the very beginning, to say that my family comes before anything else, because I remember a time when I first pastored that I thought everything had to go into the church, and. Uh, I realized at a certain point that the mistake I had made was was uh, having that thought because the family comes first in the kingdom of God. If you read the Bible through, and the family is always first, and then the ministry is next. And uh, you can tie those two together where the bond won't be broken. If you determine as a minister, I'll minister to my family. Because if you if you lose your family, you're not gonna you're not gonna gain a congregation of people. Mm -hmm. Because it's important to keep your family so that you can have the heart to remain and keep your congregation together. Yeah, that's good. Well, and another thing that I thought of as Jerry was talking, you know, um, when you get into a relationship and you get married, you know, we've talked about the church, and, and I know people say, you know, the church is, uh, it's important to get involved with a group of believers, that you can be held accountable with each other, and uh, that's so important in keeping a marriage together, is is serving the Lord together. Right. I mean, that's just bottom line. You know, our lives is centered around, but whether you're in full-time ministry or whether, you, regardless, you know, you, your family has to be in ministry together because we're all a ministry family in a way if we're reaching out to others. Right. So that's the main thing. Yeah. So, so you know it, and it just takes work. Right. You have to overcome because there will be people who will, 
not necessarily try to divide you as a couple, but they'll want your attention. Mm-hmm. And you have to determine right away, I'm not giving my attention away. It belongs to my family. Yeah. So you just have to set your guidelines from the beginning. Yeah. Well, for what it's worth, I never felt that. I don't know if you came to that realization before I was born, but I always felt like I was more important than the ministry. Good. And that, Good. Good. Um, you know, that I know there were things we had to miss at times because of the ministry, things we had to miss out on, but I never felt like um, the ministry came before me. So thank yeah. you for that. I know Sean, Sean has always said, Dad, we'd start on vacation, you'd get a phone call. <laughs> Either somebody had a heart attack or they died and yeah. we'd have to cancel our trip. That's that happened more than that once. That didn't happen a lot of times. But, it happened a few times. But, but uh, we had some great But God trips. always blessed us regardless. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. what he's promised us. You know, he's promised to bless us. And so, you know, even if you have to miss something that you're planning or reschedule something because something in the church is important, you know, something like that happens, you just do it and go on. Yeah. And I I think you probably agree with me if I say this, that yes, the family comes first, but if the family's in service to the church together, you understand that sometimes the church has to come first and the people of the church because they need you to be their family in those moments. True. That's right. Yeah. So that's good. So Tawanda, thank you for helping us today. We, we, uh, being the very special guest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, (laughs) we'll write you a check later. (laughs) I'd really prefer just the cash. (laughs) Well, we couldn't get Vestal. She's singing in heaven. So, (laughs) well, you want to have mom pray us out this time? Yeah, do that. All right. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that we've had as a family to be a part of your kingdom. And God, we we just ask God that as this podcast goes out, that those that are that might be struggling in the ministry with one thing or another, God, that you will bless them and something that we've said will will impact them in a way, Lord, that they will just keep going on because in this time that we're living in, we know that's what we have to do. The church has got to rise up and be the church and be the shining light that we need in this world today. We thank you for every opportunity we have to minister in whatever way, Lord, whether it's at Walmart or whether it's in our church or wherever, or on on video, uh, or these podcasts, Lord. We just thank you for the opportunity that you've given us. We pray that you bless everyone that hears this today, and we just thank you for all your blessings to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.